0: Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us today. We're delighted that you're listening in, and our topic today is Judgment, Prophets, and Prophecy. Welcome to our talk, Already in Progress.
1: 98 to 99 degrees. Wow. Bay. And then yesterday was 92 degrees. I was literally sweating yesterday in my three-piece Shabbos suit. Uh, with a necktie and all that. And uh, what's the weather like
0: over there? Um, it's it's not bad. We actually finally got uh some rain that we were you know really needing to get. But it's been in the high 80s. We had a heat wave uh, the week before, so it oh, started bet. to cool down. Yeah, started to cool down.
1: Right. So today's supposed to start being in the uh, 80s or high 80s, like 88, 89. At least, yeah. thankfully. So, yeah. Okay, because right. I'm, out, okay, cause I'm outside, you can hear in the background. So that's why I just wanted to check on that. Okay. Um, Hello.
0: Hey, Rabbi. Oh, oh, oh,
1: hi, oh, hi. Good talk. I'm joining the beautiful weather day, much better than the heat wave we had in Baltimore this, this past several days.
2: Yep. All right, thank you. Okay, good talk. All right,
0: thanks. Glad you're here. Hi, Mark Powers. Glad you're here.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh,
1: hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. A long time no see. Here in Baltimore, no. we had a heat wave that finished up yesterday and much better weather today in Baltimore.
2: Thank you. We spent uh, three weeks well, in the States visiting family. So that's why I was I know.
0: Well, I know. You know what's very interesting, Mark? Today, uh, I think in 2017 was the day that I met you.
2: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I came don't, across I don't have pictures at the synagogue. <laughs> okay. I don't have memory for things like that. I have difficulty with laughing. Well, I don't
0: either, but I have Facebook. I have ah, Facebook. Right.
2: <laughs> it helps me with the memory. And you mentioned uh, the heat wave, yeah. we're having, we're over 92 degrees every day, but right now, <coughs> excuse uh, me, all around Jerusalem, fires are raging. Oh, you had to evacuate uh, three communities. Oh, no. <clears throat> no, it's, it's not good. They've evacuated three communities and uh, the fires are still out of control. The The pictures are just I unreal. did not hear that. To mark all the wildflowers here. Here in the states, they're typically started <clears throat> in forested
3: regions um, by lightning strikes. Is, is is similar there, or is it um, man-made uh, fire? What's they call? Yeah, we
2: we don't have any lightning strikes. Um, we don't have any rain, generally from uh, I would say February, early March until November. So there's no lightning strikes. Um, okay, these are more than likely. Uh, arson by terrorists. Oh, okay. Yes. And Understood. the objective is to burn out the communities. Yes. Okay. Wow. I'm sorry.
0: Well, we will add this situation to um, our list um, that we kind of ask Hashem to merit the study to the ceasing of these fires, as well as To the healing of missing Steve Kaza, family and friends of Teresa Colucci, may her soul rest in peace. Daniel Kinzer, Stacy Kinzer, Paul Kinzer, Bruce Roberts, Charlie Roberts, Jennifer Joy, Mike Banks, and family. We um, will put Drupal at the top of the list and pray these buyers will absolutely. Okay, this is
1: Mark in Baltimore. Can you also add, because of that horrific earthquake down in Haiti yesterday, that's a horrible uh, nation and all that that had an earthquake back in 2010, but they had yeah. another horrible one. I heard it was even worse yesterday. Oy vey, so if you can add that to the list, thank you.
0: Absolutely. May Hashem restore and uh, keep people safe and um, you know, everything for a purpose and we just ask that his purposes come to pass well today is the seventh of elul the last month of the jewish year and you know we know that this is traditionally a time of introspection and a time that we review um just the the progress over the year the spiritual progress over the past year and we prepare for the the coming holidays and I think this is a, a good segue for today's talk. Um, I want to welcome everybody to another live podcast edition of Lifeline Torah with Rabbi Yaakov Zirkin. Rabbi Zirkin, are you still there?
2: Yes, I am.
0: <laughs> You're being so patient. All right. And quiet. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you and everyone here today as we dive into Torah, the substance of divine revelation to Israel, the Jewish people who in turn disseminate God's revealed teaching and guidance to all humankind. Today, we explore judgments, prophets, and prophecy. And Rabbi Zirkin, we're thankful to have you. For those that don't uh, know Rabbi Zirkin, he is a former pulpit rabbi in Morristown, New Jersey. He is a jack of all trades, a rabbi of all trades, a sofer, a master sofer, and we're just glad to have you with us and for everyone to join us who's joining us today we welcome you and i turn the floor over to you rabbi zirkin
3: thank you very much and uh, i appreciate that intro <laughs> so today i'd like to also add to the full and speedy recovery for elisa the priest I don't know Absolutely. If you mentioned that.
0: uh you know meant to and didn't so thank you very much
3: Sure. No problem. Okay. So today we're going to talk about judges and judgments, as well as prophets and prophecy. Why this topic? The last, this week and the past week, in the Torah portion that we're reading, the Torah really talks about who we can trust as a prophet, number one, as well as what we're supposed to do with a judge and how we're supposed to respect the judge. So that's why we're gonna just talk about these two topics, especially since we're coming on to the days of just before Rosh Hashanah, the high holiday of the new year on the Jewish calendar. So we have to look at, and we, and we want Hashem to judge us, quote unquote, favorably for all the things that we have done or not done what we should have done, we shouldn't have done. So too, the idea of judgments is critical at this time of the year. So let's go back actually to last week's portion where he talks first about prophets. And he tells us what kind of prophets one should listen to and one should not listen to. So he tells us that if a prophet comes along tells us whatever prophecy he tells us, we're allowed to listen to him and we should we're supposed to obey him. With the exception of one thing. If he tells us to do something that we were we never heard of, that and it constantly the Torah tells us about look at ask your father, ask your grandfather, did they do these things? And if they didn't do it, you stay far away from it. And this is an important lesson. Because finding throughout the Torah he tells us, inquire. Don't just take for granted. Just just because somebody has a has a nice radio show, does not mean that he what he's offering is is meaningful and is, a, is and that that is profitable. That's, that's a prophecy. I'm sorry. That it's a prophecy. We have to look at the origin of it. Does it make sense in our religion that this is something we do or we don't do? And this is one of the reasons, if I may, why the Jews never accepted Jesus, because he came along and offered us things to do things that are not necessarily Jesus, but the Christian reality, religion, I should say, because the, the religion itself comes along and tells me or tells people to do things that we never did and in fact what they're suggesting that was being should be done are things that we find throughout our prophets that when people started worshipping Baal and others they were punished and they were sent to exile for that whereas when they were following the word of Hashem they were granted all kinds of goodies so we see That the idea of following somebody or some religion based on whatever, that's not the way Torah operates. The flip side of that is, we'll go to the next part of that, and that is if he tells us to worship an idol. He says clearly we may not listen to him. And these are things that as they say the christian religion keeps telling us that this is this is the reason why we have not been uh, why we're being prosecuted why we're sent to exile is because we never accepted jesus as our messiah now well if you look actually in, in the haftorah that we read yesterday there's an interesting verse which Isaiah tells us, and by the way, this verse, the, the Torah that we read yesterday, is interestingly enough Isaiah 52. So for those that look at Isaiah 53 as that is the proof that it's taught, that that Jesus is the Messiah, well, let's look at what it says in Isaiah 52. In Isaiah 52, he tells us that when. The Jews sojourned to to Assyria. They went to to Egypt. They sojourned, and they were they were prosecuted there, persecuted over there. Then, in Assyria, they went. They were taken to exile in, in Assyria. and You know what it says there? Very interesting two words. It's in Hebrews. Two words: Ephes Ashako, which means they were punished for no reason whatsoever hmm. so when they tell me that he was, we're, being, we're being punished because we didn't accept Jesus in our life I don't know the prophet Isaiah has a different idea as to why we're being, being prosecuted or he doesn't have an idea but tells me that we are being prosecuted for no reason basically so the, the notion that we should follow a religion that A, that throughout the prophets tell us that this is exactly what we should stay away from. And B, we find that when we, when the Jews did follow, they were, they were persecuted. And number three, and most importantly, this is not something that we were taught as, as children. You know, at the Pesach Seder, we, we read the, the Haggadah. That God is basically a history of what happened with the Jews when they were in Egypt and how they got out of Egypt describing the, ex- the, the, the exodus from Egypt and we find over there that we, there's, there's a concept there of the children are supposed to ask questions in fact as a child when we go to yeshiva we are taught that when it comes to the Pesach Seder night, we're supposed to come home early and start the Seder early. Early, not being before the sunset, but early, meaning as soon as possible from, from, from from Synagogue, in order that we can start the Seder so that the children can ask the questions and they should not, we we should get them before they actually fall asleep. So the idea of The children asking questions is to understand, get a better understanding as to our history, as to why we're sitting at a Seder. What's going on over here? And all these questions are basically teaching the child our history. And because, and and this is the idea that we're supposed to have and reinforce in our children this um, idea of a continuing um, religion, as we see that the prophet Elijah is supposed to come to every seder. Why, and as well to every prince as well. Why, if you remember the story in Samuel, where he had the story with, when he comes, he says to Hashem that you know all your all the Jewish people are worshiping Baal. And God says to to Samuel, he says, number one, is you're fired. I don't need you anymore. I will have Elisha take over your place. Besides, there are 7,000 Jews that are still loyal to Hashem. So because he thought, or he said actually, that the Jewish people are no more in existence. They are all worshiping Baal. So Hashem punished him. As if it's a punishment, but punished him that told him that he has to come to every bris to to show to so that he can witness firsthand that in history we are still there and, and, then, and, and as a people we're still there and then he has to come to every seder to show that in history we are still participating in the same seder that our forebearers did. So that's why he has to come to every seder. So the idea of father-to-son information is critical. It's it's critical so that when I am told something by a quote-unquote leader of, of any sort, I have to be able to corroborate that. Does that make sense? Does that follow what my father or grandfather had taught me? And if it doesn't, we have to stay far away from it and want to have nothing to do with it. And that's idea of of the prophets and therefore somebody to come along and to say um that uh, whether it's muhammad or, or jesus or or even or his uh, disciples to kind of create in, in such an image of this jesus is totally against what we stand for and what what hashem wants of us and even as as a non-jew there one of the seven laws that are universal laws, Those one of the laws is that we're not supposed to believe in any other God other than Hashem. And that is a fundamental in every part of our religion. The, the 13 principles of our faith, the first one is that Hashem has created the world and He's the only one and only God. That's it. There's nothing else. And we find this throughout the prophets, specifically in Isaiah. Isaiah, almost every verse, almost every chapter, has has a verse or two telling me the the same idea, where Hashem is one, and He has no other, and there is no salvation other than through Him. And yet, despite all that, how the Christian religion has come along and distorted all of those verses to create an environment that We need to have a belief in Jesus. So that's as far as prophecies go, and prophets and prophecies goes. Then goes the concept of judges and judgments. So the Torah portion that we read yesterday starts off by telling us that we're supposed to place judges and policemen in all of our gates, at all of our gates. What are our, what are our gates? And this is telling telling every one of us. It's not just the heads of cities or heads of states or head of, heads of countries, but rather he, this is a, a commandment to every one of us that we are supposed to place policemen, judges and policemen, in all of our gates. What does that mean to the average person? What, what kind of gates are we talking about here? So the idea is that we all have our orifices in our body that do certain functions. So for example, there's an eye. We have eyes. The eyes can see. The nose, it can smell. The mouth, it can speak. The ears, they can hear. So these are kind of gates, orifices, openings, passageways which all lead to the same concept of she'arecha, which means your gates. So the Torah is telling us that we have to place judges and policemen at each of our gates to make sure that as we navigate through life, we don't fall prey to our, our ears, our nose, our eyes, our mouth, but rather stay conform to the Torah's approach to things. And therefore, I may not listen to things that I may not listen to, i.e. Lashon Hara, um, or see things that I shouldn't be looking at, look at things that I shouldn't be looking at, or smell things that I'm not supposed to be smelling, or for that matter, speech. I may not speak things that are not appropriate. So in all of these things, we're supposed to put put gates, uh, put judges and policemen to enforce that. Because it's, it's one thing to know, you know, everyone knows that when they're driving on the highway, it's always posted the speed limit. So whether it's 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, whatever the speed limit is, but yet 99% of the time you drive on the highway, and very few people are actually going the speed limit or below the speed limit, very few people. And in fact, if somebody is going below the speed limit or the speed limit in some places, they get honked and, 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 and beaten up kind of, not physically, but in a, uh, in a, in a metaphorical way to, to get, let, let get moving. You're in the wrong, you're, you're, doing, you're going too slow for us. So we see that even though we know what the law is, we know because there's constant reminders, speed limit, dot, 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 speed limit, da da dot, dot. Within every mile, you'll see us, you'll see a, a speed poster, but yet we don't follow. So the Torah tells us that it's not enough that there's a sign, there's a poster, there's, there's a, yeah, some kind of an indicator to tell you what the law is. We still need to have judges even though I might be learned, but still we might fail at some point because we're still human. And therefore, the Torah tells us we have to place judges. So who are these judges if not for myself? I mean, obviously, you're not going to you're not going to have somebody come along as as your partner. And this partner is going to be your your judge. I mean, your spouse is not going to is not supposed to be or should not be your judge or your policeman police officer to tell you hey don't look over there don't do this don't do that you don't want that in a spouse so who's supposed to be this judge so the Torah tells us you are supposed to place that so Hashem really gives us that um, encouragement that although I'm giving you laws and these laws seem to be harsh because you know how to do a lot of things but nonetheless, there's a, there's a concept in, in the Talmud that says that Hashem does not give us a challenge, a test that we cannot fulfill. If we can't fulfill it, Hashem is not giving us that test. And therefore, it also says that when Hashem gives, us, gives a person an illness, God forbid, so there's a, a cure for it prepared before the illness is, 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 give, is presented. Similarly, this COVID-19, for example, although it's a pandemic, but Hashem has prepared the, the refuah, the, the healing method, the remedy for it prior to this um, descent of this pandemic. Similarly, with any disease, God forbid, there is a remedy. It takes time sometimes for it to get to market, but there is some remedy available to it. So Hashem does not give us a challenge that we can't overcome. And that's the idea that when Hashem tells us that you are supposed to be that judge, in other words, he enables us to, and strengthens us to be able to say to ourselves, you know what? You know, it's really not appropriate to do dot, dot, dot. And therefore I shouldn't do it. It's, it's a big task, granted, but we have to understand that we came here to serve Hashem. We were put on this earth, not necessarily for our benefit, because as it says, we were born by, by, not by our will, and we're gonna die not by our will. So the idea that we were created to serve Him, and that's the whole purpose so he put us here and he will make sure or he'll give us the tools to work with to be able to serve him and that's what Hashem is telling us here in the Torah that that was supposed to have judges and the judgments are supposed to be handed out by the yourself you're supposed to be your own judge and that's that's a very very important connection with Um, as, As Sonia mentioned earlier, the idea that we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah. It's the month of Elul, which is the last month before Rosh Hashanah. And we're now less than three weeks from Rosh Hashanah. Or about three weeks, I should say. So what is the lesson for us in these two ideas of the prophets and the prophecies and the judges and the judgments? That just says, when well, we come before Hashem, I'm Rosh and we say to Him that we say an interesting line. We say, "Im if we're like children, then have mercy on us, like a father has mercy on a son. And if we're like servants, then have mercy on us, like a master has mercy on a servant." So the question is asked, well, which one are we? Are we like sons or like slaves of Hashem? And the answer is, it depends on us. It's our perspective. How how do we view this relationship? Is it a relationship of a father and a son or that of a a servant and a a master? And that's going to determine how Hashem is going to respond to us. So if I'm serving Hashem just as a servant, meaning that, well, you told me to dot, dot, dot. I don't know the meaning of it. I don't know anything. I'm not going to put anything into it. I'm just going to do it because you asked me to do it. So that's what Hashem reciprocates that way. Whereas if we look at it as a, a son to a father. And as the son does it out of love, he loves on his father. So then when he's doing it as a loving relationship, then Hashem reciprocates as well in a loving relationship. And this is really dependent on us. So we have to make this connection. We have to create the environment that we want Hashem to respond to us. Rather than go around with a chip on our shoulder and say, well, Hashem didn't give me this and Hashem didn't make this happen for me this year. Why should I do that, that, that and all those things? Rather look at all the good things that He has given and He does give constantly to us. As we say in our prayer every, every day, three times a day, the goodness that doesn't cease and the mercy that He does, that doesn't end. He has, constantly has mercy on us in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. He's constantly... He gives us life. Isn't that something merciful? Isn't that something gracious? To be gracious for Hashem for? I mean, after all, you, it says... It, uh, it, I'm furrowed off a little bit, but it says that if, you, if your father tells you to do something and your teacher your Rebbe tells you to do something. Now you have an obligation to listen to both of them. So, but the question is who are you supposed to listen to first? Who takes precedent? They both ask me to do something. Who's, whose mission am I supposed to fulfill first? So the, Tal- the Torah, t- the Talmud tells us that we have to follow our teacher first. Why? Because yes, our Father we have to honor because He brought us into this world. He gave us the, the physical life that we have, He gave us. No, un, 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 no doubt about that. However, my Rebbe, the teacher that taught me Torah, He's giving me the spiritual life. And the spiritual life is going to last eternally the physical life will only last as long as i'm alive but the spiritual life lives on forever and because he gave me the teacher my rebbe gave me the spiritual life therefore i have to honor him first similarly when we talk about hashem that Hashem is constantly giving us good is constantly giving us life so because he's giving us a life that we could we could serve Hashem we could do the things that Hashem wants of us therefore we must honor and respect that and therefore, when we when it comes to the if it's like a child or to or like a servant, it's all our perspective, and we have to make sure that when we stand on Rosh Hashanah before Hashem, and we talk to Him, we have to recognize that yes, He's given us the life, and He's giving us life, and He's giving us the ability to do the things that we have to do, or that we want to do, or that we should do, or that we or that we. Should. Or that we would like to to have accomplished and he only he is the one that can sustain this for us and when we understand that and when we do that and when we follow through on that on rosh hashanah as well as Yom kippur obviously but then what happens is hashem reciprocates and that's when we can we can ask hashem you know typically what happens is when a child child kind of is ashamed or embarrassed to ask the parent for, for things because they think their mm-hmm. parent might say no or they're afraid that the parent might not, not be able to fulfill their, their wish so they're kind of leery about asking but Hashem in the month of, the month of Badal, Hashem says to all of us please come and ask of me come I'm out in the field the the, the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitch Rebbe gave an analogy. And he said that the month of Elul is sort of like the king is out in the field. The king is out, when the king is in his palace, he's locked up in his palace, you need a special invitation. And even with an invitation, not necessarily can he get permission to get to see the king. Whereas when the king is out, you know strolling out the, the orchards or his fields so then you know he's kind of freebie anybody can go over and approach him and talk to him similarly the month of Elul is that time when hashem says come talk to me come out in the field i'm ready to hear whatever you have to say and this is the idea of actually there's another part of the, the t- topic that i didn't mention but is uh in the Torah portion we read yesterday, it tells us about the cities of refuge. So we're supposed to build six cities of refuge. So it says about these cities of refuge that there's supposed to be there's supposed to be a road that's well paved to lead to that city of refuge, number one. Number two, it has to be well lit. The child kind of is ashamed or embarrassed to ask the parent for, for things because they think their mm-hmm. parent might say no or they're afraid that the parent might not, not be able to fulfill their, their wish so they're kind of leery about asking but Hashem in the month of, the month of Badal, Hashem says to all of us please come and ask of me come I'm out in the field the, the, the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitch Rebbe, gave an analogy, and he said that the month of Elul is sort of like the king is out in the field. The king is out, but the king is in his palace. He's locked up in his palace. You need a special invitation, and even with an invitation, not necessarily can he, can he, can he, can he, can he grant, get permission to get to see the king. Whereas when the king is out. You know strolling out the, the orchards or his fields so then you know he's kind of a freebie anybody can go over and approach him and talk to him similarly the month of Elul is that time when hashem says come talk to me come out in the field i'm ready to hear whatever you have to say and this is the idea of actually this is another part of the, the t- topic that i didn't mention but is uh in the Torah portion we read yesterday, it tells us about the cities of refuge. So we're supposed to build six cities of refuge. So it says about these cities of refuge that there's supposed to be there's supposed to be a road that's well paved to lead to that city of refuge, number one. Number two, it has to be well lit can't just have you know um, just some lights on and some lights off it's got to be well lit and the third thing is it has to have it has to have a science to to show me where how and where and how can I get to the cities of refuge okay so the idea here is that this is now think about this we're talking here about a murderer albeit an accidentally but nonetheless, he took someone's life. And the reason why he's going to the city of refuge is to spare him from somebody coming and killing him. So this is a person that in our legal system would probably end up in jail, probably be locked up for a long period of time. And yet the Torah tells us, and usually what happens is they get transported out of the court. In a, in a darkened van or a darkened car, sometimes even in, in, in an obscure way, pa, um, a way so that nobody knows where how so that no, none of the relatives or no, nobody can come after this car. And it's supposed to be kind of obscure. And here the Torah tells us what are we supposed to do? It's supposed to be well-lit and it's supposed to be perfect signs to show directions as to how to get to the city of refuge. And it's supposed to have, is supposed to be well-paved. What's going on here? Why, why is all this happening? And I'm thinking that the idea here is that this is, and, the, and as well, we always read this in the weeks leading up to Rosh Hashanah. So what is the connection? And I'm going to introduce something very interesting. And that is that. Just as that murderer that needs to have a well-lit path and a, a signs for everything where he's going, so to us, as we are preparing for Rosh Hashanah, so we're supposed to have a a a, um, a well-lit path, meaning we're supposed to have a direction. Where are we going and how are we going? And it's supposed to be a well-paved road. It has to be something that's, that's something that's achievable, not just some, uh, some willy-nilly idea that, oh, well, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that, but rather it has to be spelled out and there has to be a sign, there has to be directions. Okay, so uh, like a checklist, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm not doing that anymore. And these are the things that we're supposed to prepare and how we prepare for the Rosh Hashanah that we're about to approach. And this is why we meet it just before Rosh Hashanah, so that we get a a clear directive as to how to get through the Rosh Hashanah program. And and the idea of the judgments and and the prophets, these are all people that are giving us directions that's idea of a prophet a prophet is meant to give me tell me what i'm supposed to do and how to go about doing it a judge too is supposed to help me get it, get get it done now, another thing that it tells us in the parish is about kings. It was supposed to ha- establish a king. And it was supposed to establish a king. And a king is supposed to give orders. So a king is different than a, than a judge. A king says the orders. And the judge has to enforce. He has to enforce the king's orders. And the policeman has to enforce the judge's rulings. So it's kind of like a... a a system where we need to have all these people involved to make sure that we do the right thing. And we have to do the right thing because in order to stay on course with Hashem being our king. Remember, on Rosh Hashanah, we're going to be doing what? Crowning Hashem as our king. How can you crown him as a king if we haven't got a clue what a king is all about? So therefore, the Torah has to tell us what a king is all about. And that's what he tells us in this week's portion about what a king is allowed to do, what he's not allowed to do. And as we see throughout history, how the kings, when they unfortunately did not follow these um, rules, they failed. They failed Hashem and failed big time and as a result they were they lost a lot of their uh, privileges that were granted to them as a king and now the talmud tells us and actually the the verse tells us that we are supposed to be a kingdom of Kohanim, priests so we too are kind of like um, kings the talmud tells us that actually that we are each one of us are kings in Hashem's world. So, therefore, we realize that we, too, have this role as being a king. We have to be extremely careful, just as a king or a prophet or a, if I may, a rabbi has to be extremely careful with what he says and how he does things. Now, nobody's perfect, obviously, but nonetheless, they're supposed to conform and they have to follow certain, you know, certain ideas that have to be in line with what they're preaching. You know, you can't be preaching one thing and doing the opposite. Those known as hypocrites. But rather, whatever you preach, that has to be something that you not only you do, but you excel at. Because what the, your, your students, I'm using that term loosely, they are the ones that are looking up to you. And they're looking at how are you doing these things. And if you're not doing these things, how can you suggest that they follow these things? And this is why, as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah, and we each want, we each want from Hashem that He should grant us good life and healthy life and, 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 and all kinds of good goodness that we could be able to sustain our life, not just to have life, but to be able to sustain it in a healthy way and in a healthy way and in a positive way and in a way that brings only peace to ourselves and to our families. And to our, our friends. So, the way to do that is we have to approach Hashem and say to Him that we too are ready and willing to let go of the things that are hurting or that are bothering or annoying other people in our lives. And with that, we should all merit that we'll have a baby inscribed and sealed for a happy and healthy and sweet New Year. And even if we want to say that it's only the Jewish New Year, that's not true. The Talmud tells us that Rosh Hashanah of, of Tishrei, that the Rosh Hashanah that comes about in the next month, the month of Tishrei, is actually Rosh Hashanah for the entire world. The entire world gets judged on Rosh Hashanah. It's not just people. It's not just Jewish people. It's the entire world. And that's why I often say this. It sounds kind of silly, but if we can relate to it. And last, from last week, what we what we experienced last week. probably, I don't know how many uh, in the states, but even but in the world, but even in a, even in a, in, uh, in our local environment, you know, it says that on Rosh Hashanah, Hashem prescribes how much rain is going to come down on the world for the next year. So, so. They find in the the Shema, we say that Hashem will grant you the rain in your your fields in its time. What does it mean in its time? When Hashem gives it, is it the time? No. And the time means, the Talmud tells us what it means is that that if we merit, then we get proper amounts of rain and the proper dosage at the proper times. So let's put it this way, if it, if it rains at a season when we don't need rain, is that in a timely fashion? No. But when it comes down in a timely fashion and in a, in the amounts of, that we can handle, then it's a blessing. If it comes down in buckets and all in one day, then it's not a blessing. It's a curse. So the Talmud tells us that when Hashem judges the world and says that he's going to give us so much rain over the course of the year so sometimes we don't merit and therefore in the winter time or as the fall goes through we don't get enough rain and then the winter comes by and we don't get and the spring comes by and we don't get or we'll get uh, spritzes here and there but then because he promised so much rain so the month of Elul, typically, is a month where you'll find an abundance of rain. As he's, you know, closing up the year, he's got to f- f- fulfill his his, uh, his mission. He suggests he's going to give us, let's say, a 100 uh, gallons of, of rain a, a, a year. So he's got to make sure to give us that 100, 100 gallons. So it doesn't have to be, all, you know, sporadic in a, in a fashion that we can deal with it. But rather, it can come down all the ones also. It's all within the year. And therefore, you'll find a lot of things happen in abundance in the the last month before Rosh Hashanah. Because Hashem has fulfilled all his promises that he has made on, on the year before. So we, too have to look back and say to ourselves we too promised Hashem that we're going to do this, we're going to do that we're going to do the third thing, or we're not going to do this, that, the third thing so we have to come good on all of our promises as well, even though even if it means that I have to stay up nights to fulfill all these things, but you know what Hashem does it for us and therefore we too have to kind of reciprocate that it's a merit that we should be able to take upon ourselves good resolutions resolutions that will give us the ability to serve Hashem in a pleasant way in a healthy way in a, in a way that without any interferences without any um, encumbrances of any sort and let us let him give us in return a sweet and happy and healthy new year Amen
2: Amen
0: Thank you so much. Um, So much to think about. Um, Yeah, I think we look at the weather here in Arkansas, it is very much, uh, seems like a catching up on rain. So we have rain scheduled every day of the week, really,
2: uh, in the week
0: coming. But I know, that's what I was thinking. Um, (laughs) I'd be happy to send you something. Send it here. Oh, if I could, I would yep well,
1: um, does anyone have anything they'd like to add before we go into- uh, this is Mark here in Baltimore. I have a, actually have a question uh, very very goodram Now, the question is because uh the hog of Russiashanah is for the world, so how do how are the Goya supposed to know about rushshan and what is expected of them? Is it just something that um I don't know. They, they, most of them don't even know what it's all about. No, no, it's for them as well. So, what is the process they need to know so they can do the or something like that?
3: Go ahead. Okay. So, a that's what we need rabbis for. The rabbis are supposed to be educators to the world. We're supposed to be lamp lighters, supposed to give them and tell them directions, so what is to do? And it's interesting, I've I listened on different radio programs, and you have some non-Jewish hosts that know about Rosh Hashanah and they often would say, before Rosh Hashanah, you know, it's time that we have to uh, straighten up. And it's, it's amazing to hear that, because this is a non-Jew, but yet they recognize and understand that what the, the, the uh, capacity of Rosh Hashanah is about and how important it is. In fact, I'm going to tell you there's a, a friend of mine, he's an Israeli, his wife is not Jewish, unfortunately. And uh, when I say unfortunately, the unfortunate part of the city is that he's married to a non Jewish woman. Okay? Um, so she is a doctor and she, used to, she works, you know, as any other as any other profession. She'll work any day. Well, every year on Yom Kippur, she works, she was working. And every year on Yom Kippur, some tragedy happens in her life as a result of her work. And at one time, at one point, she said to me, says, Rabbi, I made a decision. I will no longer work on Yom Kippur because I realized that Yom Kippur is a very holy day. And even non-Jews are not supposed to be working on that day. I was extremely impressed by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think it's it's difficult. Thank you. I think it's difficult on one hand because, like you said, there there really isn't prevailing teaching on the subject, and uh, you know it does involve the entire world, but. I will say there's never been uh a time when all things really are accessible and knowledge is there if you if you look for it. And <clears throat> whether we have uh, I mean we need rabbis uh, of course. Um we have to have rabbis but um you know it's accessible and so I have hope that uh, in the coming years that we're going to see more people turning to understand and study, you know, what pertains to them, and I think the, you know, the the non-Jewish world would be shocked if they knew what they should be doing.
3: The the Talmud tells us that if the if the Gentile world knew what the temple meant for them,
0: right, they would never
3: they would never have, would have destroyed to destroy it. Mm. Right. And yep. about so speaking of, of, there's a lot of knowledge out there. You know, we're we're living in a period, as as the prophet tells us, that the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, like the water, like the sea is filled with water.
0: Mm, that is so true.
3: And, and, and so and this is a, this is the era we are living in right now, when we can ha- we have access to everything about Hashem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Everything. Well, we're thankful for, for you, um, you know, helping to explain and give understanding to people that are seeking, because it's, it's so, so important, especially during the uh, time right before the holidays and, uh, looking forward to, just uh, seeing what Hashem is going to do in the world. We are all in a very interesting position with the pandemic and, you know, clearly he's working something out and it's, you know, as difficult as it is, it's also, um, I don't know, I find comfort in the fact that he's in charge.
3: Well, you see, this pandemic really, Gave us that direction and showed us clearly that nobody has a handle on what's going on here with this pandemic. Yeah. So we have to we have to put our heads down and say you know what it's got to be Hashem and He's going to be the one that's going to have to clear up this whole mess. Yeah. And this uh, this is what Hashem d- did in, in Mitzrayim in Egypt. He made us. Uh, c- he compelled us to believe in and see that it's him and nobody else that's right and it says that we're going to go out of this exile just as we have gone out of the exile of egypt and hopefully we'll see that speedily in our day
2: amen
0: amen amen Amen. as sitting in quarantine i'm sure you're over it already What does that actually mean for you? Um, Do you have to literally just stay in the apartment?
2: Yes, Um, we have to stay where we are. Uh, Can't go out, can't go past our door, can't have anybody come in Um, until, until it's finished. We're finished, please God, we'll finish on Tuesday. We'll get another PCR test on Tuesday. And if it's negative again, then we'll be released from quarantine. So, uh, Excellent. God.
0: yes, amen.
2: All right, I get a lot of work done. Uh, <laughs> a lot of sleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Does anybody else have anything to say before we go? All right, well, appreciate thanks. all of you, and um, thanks for
2: joining
3: sure
2: thanks all good day okay thank you we are on on for next week God willing okay i just haven't been here for three weeks so I'm trying to figure it out I
0: know you're you've been missed for sure so 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 glad to see you here thanks for joining us I'm happy
2: to be here Uh, just you know catching up Um, catching up with family family that I know and family that I don't know so nice well
0: we thank you looking forward to uh, a good week god willing
3: yep yep
0: all right
1: well until next time thank you goodbye all bye -bye. okay thank you Bye. bye bye bye